chapter 2 this morning. Last week we were in Daniel chapter 1. We saw teenage Daniel uh, look at the king's banquet table, King Nebuchadnezzar's table, royal food, the best. And he said, no, no, that, that doesn't fit with what I know God's Word says for me. I'm not going to give Nebi's God's credit. Uh, and for three years, Daniel and his friends only ate veggies and water. And they were ten times better than all the other students in the University of Babylon. So the Lord blessed them for not conforming and giving in to the pressure and the sin of Babylon. Today, we're in chapter 2. And we're going to see today that Daniel and his friends are in a situation that really seemed impossible, and they don't know what to do. Today, we're going to learn from Daniel. Give me your eyes. I'm looking. Give me your eyes. We're going to learn from Daniel what to do when you don't know what to do. Okay? You been there? You been there? Uh, I suspect some of you can identify with this situation. Uh, Right now, I got this... This, this circumstance going on, and I just don't know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? And Daniel's going to illustrate for us what to do when we don't know what to do. Stand with me if you're able. Daniel chapter 2, we're going to read the first six verses out loud together. Ready? What do you do when you don't know what to do? In the second year of his reign... Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, You will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, uh, showing us from Daniel's life what to do when we don't know what to do. Lord, I believe you've put this story in here to encourage us to uh, teach us to keep on marching on because if you empowered and enabled Daniel to keep on doing it, you're the same God today, 2020. You haven't changed. You'll walk by our side as well. And Lord, I think you'll show us what to do just like you did Daniel when we don't know what to do. So I want to pray specifically for each person here today in person as well as those watching online. I I suspect lots of us have situations and circumstances where the truth is we don't have a clue. So would you teach us 
today from your word what to do when we truly don't know what to do. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and take charge today in your church. Lord, almost every Sunday we invite your Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to come and be present. And uh, you come and speak and challenge and convict. Lord, may the power of your Word and the power of your Spirit be welcome today amongst us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, for, Lord, for, for being here we ask that Jesus will be lifted high today in his church. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. Verse 1, Daniel chapter 2. Uh, Daniel and his friends, um, it seems likely he's completed his studies. Uh, now, University of Babylon, okay? And now he's in King Nebuchadnezzar's inner circle. Uh, when it describes their age, again, we said last week, 13 to 17, three years, University of Babylon, now one year into the uh, inner circle, now as one of the king's advisor. Just think of it, Daniel's now 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that he's, he's still young, okay? King Nebuchadnezzar has some bad dreams. Deeply troubled, verse 2, keep tracking with me. King invites in, it seems like, his senior royal advisors. And commentators suggest probably these were the advisors he inherited from his father. His father, Nebuchadnezzar's father, was king. And now it's likely these advisors had come in and now are advising him uh, as, as king as well, okay? So the king's closest advisors are referred to, look at verse 2, as magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. Those are all folks associated with the occult. Did you notice that? All, all, all folks who are heavily influenced by satanic influence and, and strongholds, okay? Which tells us that at this time, Babylon was a pretty dark place spiritually. This time, uh, Satan was active and seems to be fairly dominant in Babylon and in influence, okay? So, King Nebi has some bizarre dreams, and uh, now he wakes up, and we're going to see these bizarre dreams have some meaning because the Lord sent Nebuchadnezzar these dreams. We'll see that in two weeks. Next week, we're going to take a little break for Father's Day uh, and talk about a message related to fathers. But we're going to see this dream that God sent was so troubling, he couldn't sleep. And the king is wide awake, middle of the night, and he says to himself, if I'm not sleeping... My high-priced advisors, <laughs> they're not sleeping either, okay? So, so if, the boss, if the boss says, I'm not sleeping, then, then none of you are going to sleep either. So he wakes them up, verse 3, middle of the night, hey, smart guys, I've got this awful dream, and I want you, my royal smart advisors, tell me what my dream means. 
in verse 4. <laughs> We're happy to, boss. We're happy to help. Tell us the, re- the dream. We'll give you the interpretation. And then did you see the wrinkle as we read verse 5? No. No, no. I, I've made up my mind. You tell me what I dreamt and tell me what it means. This is a royal test. Uh, I, I think Nebuchadnezzar, he's testing his dad's advisors. You guys are so great. Um, then pass the test. And if you fail this test, did you notice what he says? If you don't tell me my dream and its meaning, all of my advisors, I'm going to execute you. I'm going to, did you notice what it says? I'm going to cut you to pieces. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, you literally, I, I'm, anyway, we won't go there, but just imagine that in your head for a little bit, okay? And he says, I'm going to turn your houses into rubble, implying that it's not just you that's going to suffer, it's your families, it's your homes, it's your servants. Everything about you will be destroyed if you don't come through. But verse 6, there's a bright side here, but if you tell me the dream, if you're able to interpret my dream, great gifts, rewards, honor will be yours. Verse 7, one more time <laughs> they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll interpret it, okay? So they're still trying because they know they're in trouble. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying just to gain time because you realize that this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there's only one penalty for you. You've conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell the dream and I'll know that you can interpret it for me. Verse 10, the astrologers answered the king. There's no one on earth who could do what the king asked. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among the humans. The advisors of King Nebuchadnezzar, again, aligned with what we would call the dark side. Uh, they were clearly out of their league. What Nebuchadnezzar was demanding of them was way beyond their abilities. They knew they were in deep, deep trouble. Verse 12. This made the king so angry, so furious, that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. I'm just telling you, this guy has a quick trigger. We're going to see it again in chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar, you don't want to mess with him. You don't want to make the king angry. He's going to go off. He's going to, he's going to quickly go to your dead, okay? And I think he's anxious to clean house and start over with his own people, okay? So, he says, uh, uh, when Arioch, the commander, verse 14, of the king's guard had gone out to put the death, 
the wise men of, ba- da- of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and with tact. Isn't that good? Every time Daniel speaks, it's with wisdom and with tact. He, he, he speaks kindly and gently and he's thoughtful. He asked the king's officer, um, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And that's a good question. Uh, Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel, and at this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream. Got what's going on here? Stalling, the excuses, infuriates Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody's going to die, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, Speaks with wisdom and intact. Verse 16, Daniel goes before the king. Now, that would be bold. Probably figured I got nothing to lose. They're going to kill me anyway. Uh, He goes in and he says, would you give us a little time? And some commentators ask, why did he give Daniel time when he wouldn't give um, the other royal advisors time? And some have suggested, I think this is probably true, he recognizes Daniel, oh yeah, you're one of my guys. You're, you're one of the new guys that I brought in and I said was 10 times better. So it very well could be he sees Daniel and says, yeah, you're, you're one of my guys. Maybe you'll do better than my dad's old guys, okay? Uh, so he goes and he says, please, would you give me some time? Now, now you're Daniel. Let's pick, you're 20 years old. And you've woken up in the middle of the night, you're about to die. You're going to be executed because your bosses failed. And, and you know you're literally going to die because you've seen others die because they failed Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? What do you do when you don't know what to do? So Daniel goes in, gets a little bit of time, but now he's still got the problem. Do you understand? What's he going to do? What is Daniel going to do to come through to know the dream and then its interpretation? What do you do? You're you're 17, 18, 19, 20, new to Babylon. What do you do when you don't know what to do? And I just wrote down some things. What are some things Daniel could have done? I, I think many of us, if we were in that situation, we would shake our fist at God and shout at him and say, this isn't fair. You allowed us to be kidnapped and brought here and castrated, and I hate this terrible predicament, and I'm mad at you, God. That's one choice. Second, he could stage a protest, uh, enlist the other advisors, and they could go and try to show how unfair and unreasonable Nebuchadnezzar was being. Third option, um, he could try to run away and escape uh, the situation. Run away, maybe run back home again if he could escape the king's army. That's uh, a third option. Fourth, he could stay up with his friends and they could plot and they could plan and write down all the ideas and plans they could come up with. And the fifth thing that he could have done is just fall apart, fall down in a puddle and, and just in fear and worry and anxiety, just prepare to, give, to, to die. Just give up on the situation. So, those were things he could have done. What did Daniel do? What did Daniel do 
when he didn't know what to do. Verse 17. Here's the answer. Then Daniel returned to his house, and he explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Babylon names. Here's what he does. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So what did Daniel do when he didn't know what to do and he was in deep, deep trouble about to die? He goes to his friends and he urges them, we need to cry out in prayer for God's answer. That's what he does. His first inclination, great trouble appears, Daniel got on his face before the Lord. It seems he said, Lord, this is a bad situation. This is awful. We're going to die. So he runs before the Lord when he doesn't know what to do, and he says, Lord, please show us. Give us your answers. We don't know what else to do, so we're going to cry out and plead before you. This is dire. Going to get on our knees. We're going to get on our face before you, Lord. So here's my question. You ready? When's the last time a situation was so dire, when, when you really had no clue what to do, when's the last time you bothered to get on your knees regarding a circumstance you didn't know what to do? I think he actually laid flat out on his face, seems to be the implication. Just, Lord, we don't know what to do here, got on his knees, got on his face, and cried out to the Lord. What did Daniel do when he didn't know what to do? <laughs> he ran to the Lord, and he cried out. James 5 and verse 16 in the new section of God's Word tells us that the prayers of God's righteous people are powerful and effective. And you're thinking, well, what does it mean to be righteous? I'm not sure my prayers are powerful. It just means you're in right relationship with Jesus. You've dealt with sin. You've uh, invited him to come and take charge. Jesus, come be my king. And now I'm in right, and take charge of me and fill me with your spirit. That's, that's righteous. You're in right relationship with the Lord. And when you're in right relationship with Jesus, suddenly your prayers are powerful and effective. So I want to bang this on the head one more time. What did Daniel do when he didn't know what to do? He got on his knees. <laughs> he got on his face before the Lord. And I think he was, I'm not getting up, Lord, before you show me what to do. Cried out in desperation. And here's the really amazing thing. Verse 19, the Lord comes through. Here we go. Uh, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. During the night, while he was crying out, while he was praying in desperation, the Lord showed Daniel the answers. Showed him what the dream was. Seems that he showed him the interpretation. And then watch what Daniel does the rest of the night. It's, it's kind of cool, really. And he said, 
Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes time and seasons. He deposes kings, raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You've made known to us the dream of a king. Isn't that good? So he's crying out for answers, and I know sometimes me, Lord, show me what to do, show me what to do, show me what to do, and he does make himself clear, and then I just run out and act on it, but I like the fact I need to learn. He took the time to just thank the Lord and praise the Lord and worship the Lord for showing him the answers, for showing him what to do. Verse 24, then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and, and said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Stop the press. Don't, don't, don't kill the, the, the senior advisors, it seems likely we're going to get killed first. Uh, don't kill them. Um, I've got the answer. Do you suppose when Daniel cared enough for the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, when he cared enough to protect their lives, do you think that maybe got their attention? I, I love the fact that he protected them. We got the answer, don't kill him. And, and I'm sure now they're thinking, hey, this new kid cares about us. I think when he wanted to talk about his God, when Daniel wanted to talk about his God, they suddenly were saying, you know what, we better listen. I think, I think they were interested. Why? Because he knew that he cared about them and protected their lives. And in two weeks, we're going to see the dream and its interpretation. And what's interesting, in about 400 years after this, in the Gospels, Jesus is going to reference this very dream. He really is. Verse 28. I love it. Uh, he says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He's shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and your visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. We can't go any further, okay? That's in two weeks, right, George? Okay? So you have to come back. and Or, or you could actually... Uh, Start reading it and just keep on and you could find out and then you'll be all ready for uh, when we come back in two weeks and look at the dream and it's, inter it's a good one. It's interesting. So, we close. What should we do when we don't know what to do? Turn with me. I want to show you in the new section that this isn't just in Daniel's life. It's found in God's book uh, James chapter 1 and verse 5. Would you find that if you can on your phone in your, in your Bible? James 5 and James 1, excuse me, and verse 5. Uh, and James is going to get specific with us, but he's basically going to explain it New Testament style exactly what we see happen uh, with Daniel. It says, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
You should ask God. <laughs> if any of you lacks wisdom, if you don't know what to do, if you don't have the answers, go ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. Isn't that good? <laughs> ask God and ask Him and cry out to Him, and I would argue follow Daniel's lead, get on your knees, get on your face, cry out to the Lord when you don't know what to do. So I want to ask you right now, how, how many of you does this apply to? How many of you have a situation right now, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know what to do in this situation. How many of you does this apply to? Can I see your hands? Go ahead. Okay. Most of us have something going on. Okay. He says, if you lack wisdom, if you don't know what to do, run to God and ask in faith for wisdom. Now, here's the problem. We like to go ask experts today, don't we? Uh, I'll go ask. If I, if I don't know what to do, I'm going to go ask a lawyer or ask a doctor or ask a trusted friend. Or here's, here's a good thing. Ask the, the world of Facebook. Ask them what to do. Or, uh, or ask uh, your mom or your dad. Or here's another one. Go on Google and ask Google what you should do. Um, pastor Bob, we've had this. Go ask a pastor, okay? If you come to me and say, here's the situation and I don't know what to do, first thing, if God's Word is clear on the su subject or on your question, I I'm going to say, well, here is what God's Word says about the subject or the matter that you're asking about, okay? However, if what you're asking is a disputable matter, a Romans 14 issue, non-sin issue, where you could go a number of ways, you know what I'm going to say? I've said this thousands of times. You need to go and ask the Lord and, and wait for Him to show you the answer. You, you need to have the Lord make Himself clear to you. And, and I was talking to somebody this week about what we were, I was preparing to say, you know, and, and I said, and you need to ask and seek and knock and see, Lord, uh, show me what to do. And that person said, that's the hard part is the waiting. Have you found that to be true? So, so you don't know what to do and you're asking the Lord, you're asking and seeking and knocking and you're saying, Lord, make yourself clear. Show me your wisdom on this specific issue, and, and the really hard part is the waiting. But I want to take you to one uh, section of God's Word, <clears throat> 1 Peter 5. Would you find that in your Bible or on your phone? Uh, because th this addresses the waiting part, okay? Uh, 5 and verse 5b says, uh, God opposes the proud but gives favor, gives grace to the humble. Okay, so the first thing is you have to be willing to ask. Okay, Lord, help. It's humbling to admit I don't know what to do. I'm out of answers, Lord. Uh, proud people say I'll figure this one out. I'll find an expert. Uh, I'll just keep searching. Humble yourself, verse 6, under God's mighty hand. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Your hands, Lord, are mighty and awesome, and my hands are 
are tiny and puny. And look what it says, 1 Peter 5. And he'll lift you up. When will the Lord lift you up? What does it say? When? In what? Okay? Three of you know the answer. The Lord will lift you up. When, when does it say? In, in due time. Hmm. Oh, boy. That he may lift you up in your time, God's time. God's timing, and he'll lift us up. And in the meantime, while I'm waiting for him to show me his answers, the natural thing is to worry and to be filled with anxiety and fear. Verse 7 says, so uh, that's going to be normal while you're waiting for me to give you the answer in due time. Cast all your anxiety on the Lord Jesus because he cares for you. Jesus loves you sacrificially, unconditionally, eternally. And if you don't believe that, look at the cross. Tim made us a cross over here. That's, that's the symbol. Does he love me? Oh, yeah. Prove that for all of eternity. So, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Something's troubling, something that I really don't know what to do. Get on your knees. <laughs> Get on your face. Ask for wisdom and clarity. Lord Jesus, show me what to do in this time of need. Why does the Lord like us on our knees and on our face. Think with me, because it keeps us humble. It keeps us dependent. It keeps us close, talking with the Lord, crying out to the Lord, needy for the Lord to work in our lives. It's exactly the place that He wants us to be. It's a good place for us to be, even though it's uncomfortable. I want to close. Um, I know some of you here today, you, you don't know what to do. You got this situation going on, and maybe it's been going on for a while, and you still don't know what to do. Um, we're actually going to put First Peter into practice. He says to humble yourself, and that's the place you need to be. You need to admit need, admit you can't do it on your own, admit that you need God's mighty hand to show you what to do in due time. If that's you, and if you're serious, I'd encourage you right now, would you stand? Because I want to pray over you and pray with you and humbly cry out for the Lord to show you what to do. Okay? So, if that's you, would you stand? I know. I know it's humbling. It's, it's, it's not fun to admit need. But oh, is it powerful. Oh, is it powerful. Okay, anybody else? Anybody else got a situation, circumstance going on? You don't know what to do? I'm standing with you because I got one right now too. Okay, so I'm, I'm with you. Picture me out there because that's me too. Hi, everybody. Are you guys standing with me too? Okay. Okay, we're going to pray for you right now. Um, and you can look around because they'd love for you to be praying for them too. That's a part of humbling yourself is you're going to ask others to pray for you. Lord, 
I want to pray for my friends right now who are bold and admitting weakness and need because they have an area of their life they don't know what to do. Lord, I want to pray for your favor, for your grace on them, for humbling themselves before you and your church. And Lord, we admit this isn't comfortable, it isn't easy, but Lord, we need you to be the answer giver. We need you, Lord, to show us uh, exactly what you have in mind for us. And, And Lord, would you Give us the strength as you show us your answers, what to do, and what our part in it is or might be, Lord. Uh, Help us, Lord, in faith to act. We're looking forward to due time. And while we're waiting for due time, Lord, help us to grow real close to you. Help our relationship to get strong. And Lord, my prayer for me and for all of the family here, would you help us to make our first inclination when we don't know what to do, would you help us, first thing is to turn and run to you for answers. Help us to cry out, to get on our knees, to get on our face before you. Thank you for being an awesome God who cares about each situation. And I believe, Lord, you have answers in due time for each person standing. We love you. Glad to be your kids. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray all these things.